Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Ah, Mr. Jackson. You know, I look at my calendar and I get this little ding on my phone that tells me we're coming up to podcast with Dan. And it's always this little spurt of joy that comes over me. And I wonder where will our adventures take us today? Yeah, it's it's a tough bet. I'm guessing it's going to be somewhere <laughs> wonderful, and I'm betting on that. To yeah, be true. yes, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's it's a nice structure because other than my podcast with you, sun, Sunday's not a very interesting day for me. Exactly, <laughs> it's the <laughs> highlight of the day, and we picked a good time. We've picked yeah. the perfect time. It kind of invisibly, you know, non-obtrusive in the day. We get the morning, kind of ease into it. And then right around now is when we start thinking, okay, what are we going to do today? And yeah. here it is. And then we've got the rest of the whole day after this. You know, I read last year a history of Victorian England. So this mm-hmm. is basically 1830s till, you know, 1890s. And 60 years. And there are people, you know, very notable leaders and, you know, notable for other reasons, who would write up to 30 letters a day. Yes. And have them delivered by courier if they were in the city. Yes. If in London. And there were some individuals that they wrote to virtually every day and then would get a return. Yeah, get a re- return, and so so the interest the interesting thing about it is that this staying in touch with certain people and mm-hmm. trading ideas is goes back a long time. Yes, and the UK probably had the first best postal service, you know, which in, and they had great courier services inside the yes. city. And so our podcast is like sending a letter. Um, you know, and but you don't have to wait for the response. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that. You know, it goes all the way back. You think about all of that, you know, the back as far as we can see, even almost, uh, you know, every book of the New Testament in the Bible is letters, mm-hmm. is, you know, letters to, to, you know, Paul's letters to the Ephesians or to the Colossians mm-hmm. or to. That's it's an interesting thing. I read a great book. Richard Rossi turned me on to it years ago about the daily routines of notable people, like all the way back mm-hmm. in time. And it was very interesting to see, you know, in the 1800s and the 1700s, there whatever is kind of known about the routines of you know, different composers or writers or mm-hmm. artists or uh, whatever. It is pretty, pretty similar among creative people all across the board. They would, mm-hmm. you know, they would kind of wake up and ease into the day with some coffee and, you know, reading or whatever. Then they would do some, they would do some work and then they would break for lunch and maybe go for a walk and then do their, there was almost exclusively, they all did their correspondence where mm-hmm. it was, you know, what you were just talking about, they'd get their letters and they'd write their letters. And that was the equivalent of, 
and yeah. read their letters and read yeah. their letters. Yeah, read mm-hmm. their letters. And then in the evening, they would meet with friends and, you know, and that, and then read or whatever mm-hmm. before going to bed. And they were pretty much typically all in bed pretty early. That was the routine of the yeah. thing because there were less dopamine, I think, was harder. You had to earn dopamine <laughs> back then, right? I mean, that's really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do you get excited? What keeps you excited? Did you also, you know, when you were reading about the letter writing habit, did you uh-huh. also come across a fact, which I found interesting that, and this obviously would be, you know, upper class people because mm-hmm. it required light, but that they wouldn't sleep through the night. Like they wouldn't go to bed and sleep. They I would have a couple two sleeping, of, uh, two sleeping yeah. periods where they'd go to bed and then they'd get up in the middle of the night and it required light. So they mm-hmm. obviously could afford candles or mm-hmm. oil lamps. And they would they would spend a couple hours writing and reading, and then they mm-hmm. go back to bed for their second for their second nighttime. Did you come mm-hmm. across that? I did a couple of a couple of times, and that was I think a pretty common practice back when people would kind of go to bed with the sun, right? Like mm-hmm. as soon as the sun went down, they would kind of not long after that go to bed. But it wasn't. I don't recall it being the most common thing because a lot of these no. people were, I don't know when that practice actually, I'm familiar with it. I'm not sure when it was popular and when it stopped. Well, I think you had popular. to have light, you know, yeah. lights, generally speaking, light was hard to come by. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm always a bit irked about when they show, you know, movies that are historical movies, you know, in other words, they're dealing with a historical period and it's you know it's a palace or it's a castle or yeah something and it's right there's hundreds of candles you know like hundreds mm-hmm. of candles or there's fires i don't think so i think it was pretty dark i think it was pretty dark i mean the biggest thing which created nighttime you know awake nighttime for us was probably kerosene you mm-hmm. know which you could have kerosene lamps and then gas lamps you know you mm-hmm. had gas systems mm-hmm. and yeah where well, you didn't have fact, to individually uh, fill the and as a matter of fact we were both in london over the during the last 10 years mm-hmm. when they were digging up the entire city to replace gas lines mm-hmm. uh, had been put in the 1880s and 1890s so it was they had been in the ground for 130 years and my sense is that there is a, a case to be made that it was lighting and also caffeine mm-hmm. that created sort of like a second day for people. We t- I just talked about a second night, mm-hmm. second sleeping night, but also the, all of a sudden when you had light available or places that had light and you had caffeine, people would work you know, into the evening, people would yes. work. It's, I think caffeine, to a certain extent, created productivity. You're wonder, not, well, you're a coffee drinker, aren't you? I am, yeah. I have coffee in the morning, yep. I'd say two o'clock is the latest, but m- primarily it's only in the morning. Yeah, I don't have anything after noon, after 12 noon. I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have coffee. 
But yeah. you were talking about uh, the habits of famous people. And, uh-huh. Coffee was a I big have piece a, of that. a new tool I'm creating, you know, just to get people in touch with kind of things they always do without really reflecting on it. And mm-hmm. It's called Best Lifetime Habits. Mm-hmm. Okay. And generally speaking, a lifetime habit is a habit where you do it pretty well every day. Yes. And I think that's, I have some of those for sure. Like everybody I does. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and, but you know, there's the thing it's like, I think it was you that once said nobody looks for new habits except for the ones they are already accustomed to, right? The ones we already yeah. have. And for me, I've, because it's constantly the fun game, you know, of trying to systemize your, you know, systemize things, look for the best way to, to, you know, be, get as much happiness and productivity as you can out Mm -hmm. of your days and kind of go with the flow. I've really determined that my, the flow for me, it really falls into zones. And I remember I had a great conversation with Ned Hollowell and you know, he was saying, and I've shared this with you before, that you know, he was saying when you I need to think about my days like a bobsled run and set up the bobsled track that you get in at the top and it slides and winds you through the course and you end up at the end with touching all the touch points that you want, kind of thing. Otherwise, we end up going through the day like a toddler at a picnic. And that is absolutely true of me, and I'm sure of you. So my hybrid of that, my my most recent iteration, because I'm constantly evolving it, thinking, okay, this is the, you know, this is the new routine here. And so my, I've been looking into zones. And the thing that is absolutely true always and will continue to be true is the constant of life moving at the speed of reality 60 Mm -hmm. minutes per hour seven Mm -hmm. days a week you know 24 hours a day that whole thing is very that's a locked in place system that we can't uh, nothing we can do about that we can only move through that time in in real time and Mm -hmm. So there are certain things I look at that my, I try and set up my hybrid of the bobsled run is a compromise that is like setting up a slalom run for skiers. You know, when you go, you have to go through certain gates, you know, you have to go around this gate to, to get to the thing. So my basic things are setting it up that, I like to, if I set a constant of waking up at 7 a.m., which is a natural and normal thing for me to do. I don't think there's any reason for a human to wake up at 5 a.m., but you are different than me. And that's a whole different uh, world, right? So I wake up at 7 a.m. I can do that effortlessly without an alarm clock, and it feels good right? Then this first zone, I look at my next like gate that I'm trying to get to is uh, at 10 a.m. 
is the perfect time for me to do focused, you know, focus finders, folk 50 minute focus sessions from 10 o'clock till noon. And that's a big zone for me that if I can steer everything to that where I am in my the spot where I'm gonna do whatever the optimal environment for my focused work is. It, 10 to 12 is the perfect time for that. I've recently, I went through with Jay Virgin. I went over mm-hmm. for dinner mm-hmm. with Tim and Tim and Jay. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, I had her go through with me and we picked out some power meals for, for me from Grubhub and Uber Eats to have on rotation, right? So we picked... 10 meals, which are delicious and wonderful and protein first sort of meals with protein and vegetables. And I've found the, I've been using the pre-arranged delivery on the app where I can last night set up to deliver one of those meals at 12 o'clock. So that I don't have to think about it. And at 12 o'clock, I know that my first, you know, meal is arriving at noon. Then mm-hmm. the next zone then is the afternoon is the time for anything, any appointments that I have or any Zoom workshops or client appointments or talking with anybody happens Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, between one o'clock and six o'clock. And Mm -hmm. so that zone is reserved for any time obligations that I have for involving other people. And then six o'clock is the second time when either one of those meals arrive, or I've been subscribing to a meal service called Factor 75, and they deliver you know, these uh, great meals that you get a weekly shipment of it. So I get seven of these meals, uh, six of these meals, sorry, delivered once, once a week. And they're all, you know, hermetically sealed and chilled. And all you have to do is warm them and they're delicious and the right calorie balance and mm-hmm. everything like that. So it takes variation out of that process there. And then my the final, the other zone then is seven o'clock to 10 o'clock in the evening and then reading and in, you know, shutting it down. I'm in, in bed basically or on my way there mm-hmm. by 10 and lights out by 11. And so mm-hmm. that that routine, that zone is really the most natural thing. There's lots of ways for me to optimize within that. And I think that it really comes down to really preparing in advance for those mm-hmm. two hour, you know, my focus sessions. I can tend to be ready to do the focus work, but not know specifically what it is that I'm Mm -hmm. going to work on. So I've been really focused on, you know, using those times to 
use my golf analogy, a goal, optimal environment, limited distractions, fixed time frame. So I lay out my, you know, we, you, when we were talking about who, not how in the initial stages, one of the, you know, base camp one is to who up a thousand hours was the goal. Mm -hmm. And I started really thinking about those thousand hours as capital allocation, but then realizing you can really, I can really only allocate, you know, 10, 20 maximum of those hours in a week. And so it's being more intentional with those allocations and realizing that not all the hours are equal, you know? And so realizing Mm -hmm. that the, if I focus on, if I can get two or three of those focused hours in a day, that's a win for me. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The, I just, uh, during the last quarter, and it just relates to the last point, and I've got a lot of comments on the previous points, but the last thing you said was this freeing yourself up. And so during the last quarter, I am still going, and it's it's called the ABC questions. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think you did this. I think you did this. Yeah. Yes. I and, just got uh, my package just yeah, arrived. Yeah, called uh, for Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And the Zoom workshop on Thursday. And uh, but what was interesting about it is that these are the what you're applying it to is what I call growth problems. Okay. And mm-hmm. I've never never used that word before. Mm-hmm. But it's a problem which if you solve it, there's growth that immediately follows in any in any area of your life, time, money, you know, relationship. Yeah. And so you just brainstorm and then you pick three of them and write them out. And then the first question is, is there any way you can solve this problem by doing nothing? Okay. And I've done about six of these and I'm going to turn it into an actual, you know, an actual tool that I use on a frequent basis. Okay. A desktop tool. And, and the answer is usually no, but then you, immediately identify the thing that you do have to do okay mm-hmm. so in six cracks at it that would be 18 growth problems i've never said yes there there is something i can this is something that i can solve by doing nothing okay mm-hmm. but it forces you to think about it mm-hmm. then the second question is what's the least you have to do to solve the problem and now we're into who not how territory yes okay the moment you say, no, there is something I have to do, but usually it's just a communication. And in my world, you use a fast filter to communicate. Yes. You say, this is, you know, this is the project. This is the best result. This is the worst result. Mm-hmm. And these are the five measurements of success. Okay. And then the third question is, is there a who can do my least? Yes, exactly. It's like the, do you know what? It's all in the syntax, right? Is when you yeah. think about, is there any way you could do nothing? No, that's impossible. You have to do something. Okay, so what's the least I could do? And can yeah. I get somebody to do that? And the answer then is that you're doing nothing, which yeah. is fantastic. <laughs> it's like it reminds me of a story, Dan, of the gentleman, the guy that went in to see the priest and was asking him if it was 
okay to smoke while he's praying. And the priest said, well, praying is a very reverent thing. You should be so respectful. <laughs> you see, yeah, so you can't, yeah. So no, no, you can't you shouldn't smoke while you're while It's the wrong praying. question. Can I pray while I'm smoking? That's exactly it. Because a few <laughs> months later, he comes back and he said, Father, when should I pray? And he said, well, the Bible says you should pray without ceasing. And he said, should I pray while I'm gardening? Well, yes, you're in nature. You should pray while you're guard. Can I pray while I'm walking? Can I pray while I'm smoking? <laughs> of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think you've stumbled on that uh, same logic. Well, the thing is, it's got a bit of humor to it. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, people say, well, I said, well, think it through, you know. Yeah. And I says, the reason is that entrepreneurs of a certain nature, anyway, my yours and mine, have a mm -hmm. tendency to immediately throw themselves into a new possibility. Mm -hmm. And it upsets your schedule. You know, it upsets your schedule. It upsets your teamwork and everything else. Yes. So my whole point is, you know, uh, I've got a lot on my plate. Is there any way that I can get away with just 10% effort, just 10% yes. effort? Where I was thinking of 100% effort for the day, is there any way that I can get a 100% result with a 10% mm -hmm. effort? You know, it's always, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, but going back to the habit thing, and then my, you know, your best lifetime habit, I would ask two questions, best lifetime habits that you were doing it once, but you haven't been doing it. And the uh -huh. other one is things that you're doing and they can be reinforced because a lot of people, if they think about their life, they can think about at a certain time, you know, they did this and it was great for them, but somewhere or for some reason they got off, got off track with it. Yeah. And just ask them if they, you know, is it, would it be worthwhile getting back on track with this particular habit? Do you know, while I'm thinking about it, Dan, your that progression of, can I do nothing? What's the least I can do? Is there anybody that could do that least? That really harmonizes with my acronym for, you know, imagine if you applied yourself, S-E-L-F. No. And no. it's the interesting thing is the S is for meaning, is there some service or person or, you know, something that you could, that could eliminate the need for you to, do that. And if that, if you don't have something in your sphere, then the next thing would be E, which is energy, which is your energy. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do? L is leadership, meaning could you instruct somebody else to do what needs to be done? And F is finances. You could finance mm -hmm. it. So is there a way? So it's about applying your Mm -hmm. self, your sphere, your energy. That's the one we want to least do leadership and finances. And so the only thing you're applying your energy to do is to figure out a way that you could turn it into a leadership opportunity, ask somebody else to do it. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really interesting. Is are you, Have you ever thought about that? Of what a profound change that the restrictions of COVID have uh, have 
how they've impacted people's work habits. Have you given any thought to that? Uh, I think about it all I the mean, time. your own, obviously. Your own, obviously. Yeah. But, uh-huh. yeah. Everybody I have a feel, too, feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I told somebody, I said, you know, I talked to a lot of adults when I was a kid who had talked about the uh, Great Depression uh-huh. and how things that had been available weren't available and how their, you know, their daily, weekly behavior changed as a result of the Great Depression. And, and I have a feeling COVID, which, I mean, the United States, the Great Depression lasted 10 years, uh-huh. 29 to 30. Basically, let's say 1930 to, it didn't end until Pearl Harbor when the Second World War started for the United States. It didn't really end. So it was 10, 11 years. It was the, you know, Great Depression. And people's attitude toward money, towards work, you know, where they lived and everything else was really altered by the, you know, by that 10, 11 year period. Here it was Mm -hmm. about really, you know, it was about two and a half years, let's say. And it's still being affected, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and what happened is that people's habits changed in a very significant way, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I was saying, you know, it's going to be hard to get a lot of people back to their job, you know. And what happened is that they were so busy, they didn't have time to think about why they were busy. And and so I said, you know, they were out for three months and they said, I never realized how shitty the commute is. I call it the three shitties. Uh, the first thing is <laughs> the three shitties. Yeah, how sh- shitty it was, and how shitty the work was. You know, I would, I would go through a shitty commute back and forth every day. The work was really shitty, and the you know the people I was working with were really shitty, uh-huh. and I, I never realized it. You know, because <laughs> I never had time to think. You know, and now I have time to think. And I think that it's a fundamental lasting shift, like it'll last for the rest of people's lives. Yeah. But, you know, the younger people will, you know, kind of be forced to adjust to what the older people's uh, habit change was. You know, right. and of course, younger people's habits were enormously changed. And uh, the biggest thing, they're finding that truancy rates are at an all-time high. I mean, schools are back in, you know, they're back in person, but COVID taught kids that, you know, showing up for school is optional. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, uh, I mean, what's happening at Strategic Coach now regards to, you know, remote working and how have you adapted to that? Well, we have one rule and the rule is everybody has to be there on Wednesday. Okay. And the reason is that Wednesdays, wherever it is, whether it's in London or whether it's in Los Angeles or Chicago or Mm -hmm. Toronto, Wednesday's always a workshop day. Mm -hmm. It's always a workshop. And so more people have to be in anyway because of the workshop. Mm -hmm. And we just said Wednesday. And people said, well, you know, know, I'm not front stage on workshop day, so why do I have to come in? And uh, I said, uh, and Babs, I, this is not me. Um, mm-hmm. Babs or the other team leader says, because the rule is on Wednesday, you're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, but the rule is Wednesday, you're here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have that. And then the other thing is now we have four workshop days a year, every quarter starting. We're just starting this. 
it's a full day workshop, but it's just for the teams wherever mm. they are. And we have to get, and they have to be there in person so they can meet other people. I mean, we had 23 new hires from January to January, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they haven't met the vast majority of, you know, of people that they're working with and mm-hmm. everything like that, you know. So we're making adjustments, you know, we're making adjustments. We had our best year ever, so it can't be all bad, you know. Right, right. Most, we had our most sales and, I mean, you know, the boxes that you would check off that says that this is a great year, we got all the boxes last year. So it's not like we're in trouble or anything because of the new arrangements or anything else. But there is a value in people really firsthand getting to meet the people that they work with. And in June, everybody in the world comes to Toronto. You know, everybody in our, you know, California, Chicago, London, mm-hmm. and Toronto, everybody's here for two days, for two days. Wow. Just and, But, you know, you, you just make adjustments to things as they go along. Yes. But that's very, yeah, that's good. I think that's but, uh, but you know it's uh, really interesting if you take the money that people don't have to spend to commute and then the time saving it's quite a bonus that they've gotten in a very short period of time. Yes. Yeah, I mean you think about just the hours back of the commute even if it's even if it's 30 minutes like even if you're local it's still 30 minutes. In the yeah, and there's commute, not just you know? the time. There's the getting mm-hmm. ready for the 30 minutes. That's what I mean, yeah. So if it's 30 minutes, an actual commute time, it's an hour. Yeah. You know, do it. So it's twice a day. Yeah. And our team works 220 days. So mm-hmm. that would be 440 hours. Yeah. And then discount the one where they have to come in, but it would be 80% of that. Yes. And, and yeah. So, you know, 80% of 440 is, you know, 350, somewhere around 350. Yeah. And uh, so that's 350 hours. And then there's the gasoline cost. And I don't think any of our, one or two of our team members have an electric car, but, you know. Right. Yeah. So anyway, but there's, you know, there's, everything involved with a car parking and so Dan, I'm curious now about your day, how your, you know, or week, how, what kind of rhythm do you run your personal operating system on? Yeah. Well, mine is really based on four things. It's doing workshops. It's everything involved in creating a book and podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then it's the preparation for those things. Mm-hmm. So it's three things that are products, and then there's three things. I don't, I hardly do any marketing or selling anymore. I just mm-hmm. think I have two, three-hour sessions a year. Mm-hmm. So from being the main salesperson 30 years ago to being just a little special treat, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's an enormous time saving. I mean, I used to go to trade shows where it was like a four or five day trip, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and I never travel for marketing right now. I would just, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't even entertain it. The answer would be no. Somebody said, mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, we'll make you. A few. And I said, Nope, not going to do that. And the reason is we got great, you know, our marketing and sales that other people are doing is mm-hmm. doing the job. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. it. So, so that remains the same. Before COVID and after COVID, it's just that there's very little travel involved in most of that. Uh-huh. 
That's great. And so, but in your, uh, what about your daily rhythm or how you know, your the day daily routine of, if we were writing this for the, for that book a hundred years from now, talking yeah. about the 2020s and the great Dan Sullivan, how he would spend his day. Well, well I differ slightly in when I get up. And I understand. Do. Yeah. Because if I'm not up by 530, it's unnatural. Yeah. You know why I like getting up at 5.30? Tell me. Automatically, I'm an hour and a half ahead of you. Yeah, but, the, you know, I think it, it's so funny. I had breakfast <laughs> with with Robin Sharma in Toronto when I was up last. And, you know, I was joking with him because he, of course, very famously started the 5 a.m. club as the thing. And, you know, it's I joked with him. I said, I, I feel like people... It would be a, you know better for people to join the nine-hour club to get nine hours of sleep than it would to get up at five a.m. You know? Yeah. Well, I I did a sleep course during the summer. Great. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Yeah. Michael Bruce. And, yeah. Uh, I had to log a diary every day. I remember, and you were he was staggering your sleep, making you stay up till ten thirty or something. That's well, ten thirty. Right? Uh, it was ten thirty to. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, what it was is to make the time you got up constant. Okay? Yeah. And he started us off with me, and then Babs Babs joined me, but uh, mm-hmm. he sleep deprived me. And then we gradually got off my sleep sedative and got off my Adderall. So I haven't mm-hmm. had Adderall. I've only had one Adderall in the last six months. And then, and, and, and so the reason was drugs like that, including the sedative, you don't have to get sleepy to go to sleep because you take mm-hmm. a sleep, sleep right. drug. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be rested when you get up in the morning because you take an Adderall, you know, yep. to get so. But what gets lost in that is your natural sleep pattern. And so, yeah, now I'm, it's about 17 hours. Mm-hmm. He says that's the right period that uh, yeah, you get at least 17 hours of waking time. Mm. But I don't, I, I need 16, you know, I, you know, you modify it as you go along, mm-hmm. but it's been great, you know, but you know, I'm up early. I've always been up early. I grew up on a farm, I mm-hmm. did sports, I was in the army. You know, I always get up early. I like, I really like getting up early, you know, mm-hmm. but correspondingly, I'm not a late night guy. Right. Yeah. So you're, what time are you asleep then normally? What time is your? We wake at eight hours. So we're yeah. in bed and out in eight hours. And that agrees with both of it. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're living with someone, you got to, and you're in the same, and you're in the same bed. Well, then, you yeah. know, you're going to synchronize yeah. the hours. Yeah. Yeah. But it was kind of funny because New Year's is a totally uninteresting day to me. Yeah. New Year's Eve. Right. And pe- yes. people say, So did you stay up? And I said, No, nah, we were in bed at nine. You know, yeah. we uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and I said, You know, you know, when it was, you know, when it was midnight somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, that's when I went to bed. <laughs> yes. Right. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, my best uh, creativity is in the morning. Yes. And I think yours too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That zone, you know, I like to, so I try and uh, I like to have one 50 minute session for me in that 
seven to 10 zone where I can just be a toddler at the picnic in my journal thinking thoughts that I didn't know I was going to think, right? That's, that is great for me. And I've taken into, I've adopted your, you know, your practice for 25 years of asking, what do I want? That's really what that is about is my thinking about my thinking in that time, right? In that 50 minutes and that way. But I also want to then make sure that I'm being the steward of those two hour block, the focus uh, sessions so that Mm -hmm. I'm allocating and stacking up, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, I have a thousand hours of that, but I can really only, I only focus, and this is always, but my latest iteration is that I'm only stacking up kind of the next 10 hours. What is the thing? How am I going to allocate the next 10 hours? And of those, what are the two or three today? that mm-hmm. I'm going to uh, that I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. that's been, you know, so much I've got such a great you know, such an abundance of ideas and things that I could do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the it's takes really curating and and discipline in a way to to realize that in order for those things to get done they have to happen in real time, you know, and that's because yeah. the what and how kind of things are shape shifters. You, you can mm-hmm. puzzle on those and figure those, you figure out what you need to do and how, how it needs to be done or even who is going to do it. But the, all the applying yourself happens in the when and the where that's the most yeah. important thing. That's what I lack in my, that's my yeah, I think the, executive uh, function disorder, right? You know, all you can, you know, to be useful to other people, the only thing you can do is actually tell you, tell other people what you do, not what mm-hmm. they should do. I never mm-hmm. tell people what they should do. Mm-hmm. And my reason for that is we only get to play in the present, you know, so yeah. the only game day we have is the hours available to us, you know, from rising to you know going to bed yeah we're all playing on the same synchronized yeah play field who you are in the present is really a function of your story about what your past is and what your story is about your future we don't Mm. actually live in those realms and that tells me that who people are in the present is absolutely unique because the story they tell themselves about their past and their future is completely made up by them Yes. And and they might communicate one percent of that to somebody else, but the ninety nine percent is them having a conversation with themselves, both mm-hmm. forward and backward and forward. So, you know, unless you can understand what people's past and future is, it's hard for you to comprehend how they actually arrange their dates. Yes, know? and yet it makes total sense to them. It makes to- yeah. t- total sense. So. More and more as I go along, you know, I have to, even with people I've known for a long period of time and talked to a lot, 
you know, I always have to remind myself that in understanding this person, I have probably less than 1% of the information that they have. Yeah, the inner world, what's going on in there. Yeah, and for most people, they're not even conscious that they're making up their past, you know. I yeah. mean, the past is the past, you know, this mm-hmm. happened. And I said, well, yeah, <clears throat> I'm not disputing the fact that it happened, but your interpretation of what happened is the important thing here. You know, and two people mm-hmm. can have what looks like to be an identical experience and come up with very different stories about what the, mm-hmm. you know, what the situation was. Mm-hmm. And so, and the other thing is the future. So, you know, and I'm, I follow, I've got a file on my Evernote, and it's about people who think they can predict the future, you know. Ah, okay, <laughs> and, yes. And I said, they can predict the future, but they can't even predict their tomorrow. <laughs> right, that's interesting. It's like climate, you know, climate, does, yeah, there isn't right. actually, climate actually doesn't exist. It's a thought, you know. And what climate is in a particular location, 365 days of temperature and, yes. you know, weather conditions. Yes. The average weather conditions for 365 days. That's what climate is. It's a abstraction that gets created by averaging a large number of uh, large number of, day, of days, you know. Yeah. But people talk about the climate. I said, well, you know, the real problem with getting people really engaged emotionally with the climate is there's not a single person who's actually experienced climate. We just experience weather. Mm. That's an interesting uh, thing that really, when you think about what your past is, it's the tapestry of this woven thread of all of the things that you actually did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, certainly it's the, the weather of it is the when and where. Of what did you do? Where were you? Yeah. And there's a lot of abstractions like society. I've -hmm. never experienced society. I experienced Dean. I experienced Babs. I experienced Uh Joe Polish. I I don't know this thing, society. I've never, you know, society should do this. And I said, I don't think society got the memo, you know. Right. (laughs) Society's not participating. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. we're destroying the world. I said, I don't think so. I don't know. What's the world, you know? Uh, Yeah. You know, you know, and we may be destroying ourselves. You may be destroying yourself, but I don't think we're destroying the world. You know, I mean, you know, the world's taken asteroid hits. The temperature has gone up a hundred degrees. It's gone down a hundred degrees. You know, where I'm talking to you right now, you know, 15,000 years ago was under a hundred feet of water. You know, and uh, yeah, I'm right, you know, I'm right on the shore of Lake Ontario. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the shoreline used to be Casaloma. That you know how high Casaloma is. You have to go up yes. the hill to get to Casaloma. Wow. So my uh, shoreline. So my Yorkville was underwater. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's wild. Less, less going on. Actually, yeah, quite a bit less going on. So the big thing is that. The, People create these abstractions, and then the abstractions become their reality, over which they have no control. I mean, Mm -hmm. if they didn't have any control over their personal reality, boy, they sure don't have any control over things that are an abstraction. You know, and uh, isn't it interesting though that so much of everything is an extra abstraction when you look at these uh, 
things so you know we look at all the things the collective abstractions that we all participate in is certainly most geography i believe that africa exists but it's only an abstraction to me because i've never been to africa me either i've never been to buenos aires but i'm going to take your word for it that it's really there yeah that's interesting And it's closer to Africa than it is to Toronto. Huh? <laughs> it's actually closer to Antarctica than it is to Toronto. <laughs> you can't go to Antarctica, Dan. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the big thing why habits are good on a daily basis is because they're not abstractions. These are mm-hmm. you know these are you know these are neural pathways that you're creating in your brain. Mm-hmm. That you, that encourage you to do this tomorrow mm-hmm. rather than a whole bunch of other stuff that you haven't thought about, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and but my sense is, you know, and the thing that I'm get, going to get across here that success is a function of productive habits times longevity. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's productive habits, but namely that you're doing this on a daily or frequent basis mm-hmm. and you're doing it over years mm. and it's like compound interest, you know? And, yeah. Uh, but you yeah. have to make the deposits to make yeah. the transfer. It, it's so uh, funny. I was playing around with a, a visual metaphor for how uh, the constant moving of the speed of reality. Have you ever seen the, have you ever seen the video game, the guitar hero? Have you seen on visual or anything? No, okay. I haven't. So Guitar Hero is a, a game where you have this guitar, but you've got, instead of uh, strings, you've got these color buttons on the neck of the guitar. Yep. So it's yellow, green, blue, red, you know, whatever those things are. Then you're, imagine... Do you know how the title sequence to Star Star Wars is coming? Like when the words are coming at you and yeah. you're kind of moving. Okay. So you're looking down the neck of a guitar and you're moving towards it or it's the, moving towards you. And as the notes get to this line, you press the red button and then when the green comes to the line you push green and then you push yellow or whatever it is to make to play the song that's coming but it's moving and if you miss it you miss the points right so Mm -hmm. i thought about the way that like music musical tetris that's exactly it okay there's perfect example tetris is coming at you so you've got this you know, as it's moving, we're in control. Our focus can only be on one thing at a time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're focused on, you know, in our 110-minute units that we're getting throughout the day, our 10 Jackson units, <laughs> as we refer to yeah. our, our 100 Jackson units, is that we can be in one lane kind of thing for that so we're moving the joystick or the controller over to be in this activity right 
And uh, looking back at the record of what we're leaving behind is the wake of what we actually did in those minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So you could be neutral where you're just sitting there doing nothing, but you could be in the sleep lane for eight hours of that on the record. You could be, you know, you wake up at 5.30 and by six o'clock, I think you're working out by then, right? Is that your trainer arrives? So you look back Mm -hmm. at the, you look back at the permanent record that you're leaving in your wake is at six is yellow with your trainer or whatever consistently over time that you're getting into those, those things. And the more, you know, erratic those things are, it leaves less of a pattern Mm -hmm. over time, right? That that's where Mm -hmm. you get that. So the consistency, my observation of it is to, if I could try and tighten up those things so that in those bands that from 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock, I've established the consistency over time of dedicating mm-hmm. those two hours yep. to mm-hmm. the most important things that I can be doing. That's going to have an impact, you know? Yeah. Well, it's all very interesting, you know, because I think that a lot of people just don't comprehend that who they are today is a function of consistent past habits. Yeah. And, and, and who they're going to be in the future is a series of consistent habits. And, yes. uh, and uh, you know, and uh, I was reading Charlie Munger, his The Wit and Wisdom of Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's uh, partner mm-hmm. who just died about a month ago. And he said, you know, you can have a lot of raisins, but they're in addition it's half raisins and half turds. We call the dish turd. Mm-hmm. So oh, you have a man. lot. Of, you have good habits, but you have a lot of bad habits. We call the result bad habits, mm-hmm. even though there's good habits along the way. So I think mm-hmm. you know it's part of your self knowledge is to increase one and decrease the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking about my. You know, you look now the deposits of over time the 12 o'clock and six o'clock perfectly balanced meal delivered without any variation or, you know, human error in that thing that over time, that tapestry is going to be a different pattern, right? Yeah. And the thing is, because a lot of other things are responding to it, you know, Mm. I mean, your brain is noticing a difference. So it's got to make adjustments. You know, your brain yeah. has to make adjustments and your social life has yeah. to make adjustments and uh, yeah. everything like that. That's why you don't have to think about 30 things. If you got three good things to think about, the other right. 30 will have to adjust to the three. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I never try to change bad habits. I just tried to crowd them out with good habits. Right. I think what I you know, evolved in thinking. Bad habits want you to pay a lot of attention to them, you know? Yes. I think a realization I had today, Dan, is I was thinking to myself, could I establish that meal system without doing anything? Is that literally, well, I don't have to cook and I don't have to buy groceries or do anything. I only have to decide which I want and place the order. 
But if I look, that's the least I could do. But now as I think about it, I could get Lillian, my assistant, to do, to, I said, these are the 10 meals. Let's rotate them around. And I want them to arrive at 12 o'clock and six o'clock and not have anything to, so there is a way that I could do that without doing anything. Yeah. Yeah, That's a, and you know, they're not wasted because they go in the fridge, you know. So, oh no, I know. would eat them anyway. I have to eat them. <laughs> yeah, I have to eat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that's uh, that's the way ours are done. You know, Christopher, who's the caterer for our workshops, he yeah. does abs on my meal, and uh, it's um, lunch and dinner, and mm-hmm. uh, and then our back who's our EA looks at our schedule, whether we're going to be at home or not. And then she, you know, if we have guests in or anything else, and then she asks us questions about it and we, you know, we'll give the answers. And mm-hmm. then she's in touch with the caterer and the meals arrive, you know, the meals mm-hmm. arrive. And basically lunch and dinner, like for the weekend, they would come on Friday afternoon and they're good yeah. for Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. So, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, but the big thing is I noticed going on 80, I'll be 80, you know, four months. Hey, yeah. And what I notice is that I don't really start anything new these days if it's not something I'm going to stick with for the rest of my life, okay, mm-hmm. or it's going to reinforce something else that I'm going to stick to, that I'm already doing that's going to last for the rest of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm very selective about anything new, you know. And you know, people say, "Hey, this is really interesting." You want? It? I said, "Don't think so. I don't think this is going to be a rest of my life experience," you know. Right, and, right. And so, but on the other hand, I'm going a lot deeper into things that you know. I'm really interested in things that really support the re- new things that support the thing that I'm already doing. I'm really. Yeah, and our podcast yeah. is one of those. Our podcast yes. is one of those. Yeah, yeah. So, so you can you know pretty well figure that as long as you're up to it, I'm up to it. That's great. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Well, it's been an amazing conversation as always. I had no idea yeah. what adventure we were going to go on, but this was yeah really the one thing I should conversation. tell you. The one thing I should tell you is that when you're in Argentina, it's not uncommon for dinner to start at nine o'clock at night. Right. Okay. And which, <laughs> which, so you can take dinner time and then after dinner and going to bed, which kind of dictates that Argentinians get up later. They mm-hmm. get up later in the morning. And I said, this tells you why the U.S., and also, they have a two-hour break yes, in the, yes, the no. middle of the day, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, so this kind of tells you why the U.S. is ahead, because Americans get up early and work all day. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, on, among developed countries, Americans work a lot more. Than, certainly anybody in Europe, Americans work a lot more yeah. than anyone in Europe. I think probably anyone in South America. Probably not Southeast Asia. I bet Southeast Asians work more than Americans do. Yeah. But anyway, but that's just the habit of the culture. It's a work habit. I mean, America is a work culture. Yes. I love it. Okay, Dan. Well, I guess I will see you on Thursday. Oh, 
Well, have a good day. I got yes. a lot of great stuff for Thursday. It's all very exciting. I'm going to read the, uh, I got the new book today or yesterday. So yeah. I'm going to read that. Awesome. Good. All right. Okay, Dan, I'll talk to you next week or I'll see you Thursday. Okay. Thursday. Thanks. Thanks, Dean. Bye.